everybody, welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I am Joel. With me, as always, is... Hey guys, what is going on? It is Jason. Jason, I, uh, prior to this podcast today, had not only, not only, I mean not only, some dairy, I also managed to have uh, quite a bit of sugar alcohol. So anyone who knows anything about sugar alcohol knows it can cause some intestinal discomfort. So... <laughs> If you hear any sounds uh, on my mic, I assure you it's my chair making us. It's my chair. So, <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Hey, uh, some real news though. We got another review from a really close fan of the show. Uh, this guy is kind of like our. I'm going to call him our fan of the week, probably. He's uh, done the review for us. He's over on the Facebook page. He comments on a ton of stuff, shares our stuff everywhere, and that's Tim. So, Tim, shout out for you. Uh, You are awesome. And here's the review he left for us. I love this review. Uh, These guys cover a wide variety of games and adroitly avoid making you feel bad for liking games they don't. We try hard (laughs) to do that. Yeah, that's true. Their taste in games varies enough that they cover about the entire spectrum of games, even if they don't love the same ones I do. They give it a fair shot. Again, we try and do that, too, I think. They keep it light, and the show never runs too long. And if you're lucky, they break out the sound effects, which I... I, Oh, there it is. There's the Picorni sound machine. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. If you do listen, reach out to them and inform them that they're wrong about miniature games (laughs) and so very right about sharing their love of games. Honestly, a fun show. Without the heavy-handedness of some other podcasts out there. Also, games with minis are awesome, but so are games with cubes, dice, and anything in the Mediterranean. <laughs> so a lot of inside jokes on that one That's from a awesome. longtime fan. Uh, thanks for that review, Tim. I appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't left us a review yet and you would like to, that'd be cool. Um, it helps It helps the algorithms and stuff. So we appreciate it. Uh, also, over, we're over on YouTube. If you aren't a sub there, I think our YouTube channel's as good as our podcast now or getting darn near as good. Um, so... I don't know. I'm having a lot of lot of fun with it, and I put little stupid sketches on my videos a lot of times, which I think are fun. Um, so go check those out. Plus the social media stuff. Um, if you aren't a social media person, but you're on YouTube, just keep leaving comments there. We love it. So um, you know who you are. Okay, so the first game we're going to talk about is a game that um, has been in the works for, I guess, a really long time. And it's from designer Richard Garfield and 74-time Jeopardy winner Ken Jennings. And that game is called Half Truth. Um, So this is a party game for all ages and all people. Uh, It has art from Ian O'Toole, which is kind of weird considering it's a party game. But (laughs) it has 500 trivia cards. Each card has a category on it. Some of the categories could be like animals with blue tongues. There are six answers. Three of them are right. Three of them are wrong. Players have to place bets on answers they believe are correct, and then players are usually surprised by how well they do. Because, you know, like you typed in the outline, we're all smarter than we think. So if you like party games and you like Ken Jennings and Richard Garfield, maybe go check this out. Yeah, this is one that's received a ton of really good reviews from gamer gamers. So I don't know. I, I kind of discarded it as like, oh, it's another Bezzer Wizard or Cranium. But I, I don't know. It might be kind of fun. Uh, I don't think I'm going to back this one on Kickstarter, but I will try and see if this one, I don't know where it's going to hit Target. I, it seems like a Target game to me. Um, we'll see, I guess. I mean, but it's Richard Garfield. Does he have games in Target? Yeah, King of Tokyo. Oh, that's true. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, I think so. Magic the Gathering. Oh, that's true. That is true. 
<laughs> It'd be really <laughs> funny if I could think of like think of like three more games by him that are in there. And and like the comments in the on the podcast this week will be games of his that are targets that we didn't mention. Could be Robo Rally in some targets, I bet. The, you know what? At one point I did see Robo Rally at Target. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> so yeah, half truth half truth is definitely coming to Target. Uh we just broke it right here, right now. Oh, it has to now, yeah. Thirteen years. I think they've been working on this game for thirteen years, by the way, is what I saw. Which I'll- is Bizarre. It's a, it's a party game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So the next game you put on the outline is a game called Reigns the Council. Another party game. So it looks like we're king of party games this week. And this is an asymmetric party game for three to six people. It's about a monarch who is seeking harmony in their realm. And their advisors are vying to influence them for their own goals. Yeah, it's really hot. It's been storming up the what's trending kind of things on... Uh, on the old uh, Kickstarter. Um, but this one's got really cool art in it, but it seems like it's like you're trying to kind of like make secret bribes and things and secret roles. It looks kind of interesting. I just don't understand like how many party games can come out that kind of do the same thing, but are still different. That's what's impressive to me, actually. Like there are 52,000 social deduction games that come out every year, and most of them play differently than each other, which is kind of interesting. That's a thousand a week, Jason. <laughs> That's what it feels like, man. <laughs> We're all good on that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's just interesting. Well, I mean, Kickstarter's starting to ramp up. I think we'll be seeing some stuff like the Gugong expansion showing up. Some more like serious stuff that'll make you a more happy boy. Instead of having to see Ken Jennings presents the asymmetrical party game of bribing and making bribes game. Yeah. I mean, I have one more that's not party game related that I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Yeah. And it is the newest game in the Azul series. And it has diamond-shaped pieces. Yeah. And it is called... Um, what is it called again? Um, Azul 3, the, the seeking of more money. <laughs> well, yes. But it's really called Azul Summer Pavilion. Azul 3. <laughs> shake that wallet yeah it looks Uh, it looks exactly like azul but the board's in like a cool like flower shaped pattern and you're putting these triangle or diamond shaped pieces on the board i don't know yeah it's a cash grab so if i was printing money like they're printing money i would keep making these games did you did you play the second azul at all yet no i haven't played it yet it's it's fine, but I don't know why they felt like they needed to call it Azul. Like that's my thing. It's it's totally branding, and I don't like it. Like let a game stand on its own. Like and man, as as people who are I don't know intelligent consumers of board game stuff, maybe don't fall for that. Like buy a game on its own merits. Don't buy a game because it's called Azul Three Electric Boogaloo. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> if it was called that, I would definitely buy it. That's the that's the <laughs> Prospero Hall. Um, target version of the game (laughs) (laughs) that would be awesome yeah uh jason i'm gonna do this last piece of news because i love it all right hasbro now owns death row records so (laughs) that's not even a joke that's totally true hasbro bought the parent company that owns death row records um so some products we can see probably at at Essen 2020, it's going to take a while to develop these. Um, Dr. Dre presents Shoots and Ladders. That'll be a kind of cool one. And uh, and then Sorry Dog featuring Snoop. So I think those are both going to be kind of cool games. Um, at, the, at the truth of this, at the kernel of truth of this, because people never know if I'm being just absolutely absurd 
or actually saying things that are true. Hasbro literally owns Death Row <laughs> Records now. So I don't know what that means exactly. I really doubt we're going to see any Death Row board games, but you never know. My thing is, how how do those people get into a room and think, man, this is a good fit for our companies to be in partnership with each other. We make terrible board games that are made out of construction paper. You guys have hip hop albums about smoking weed. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how that even comes together. <laughs> no, I, I think Hasbro bought the parent company, and so. I don't know. I think I think there's probably some other stuff going on there, but just pretty weird. I mean, just the the corporate world's owning everything. So, um, pretty wild. Anyway, uh, I, I you know my thing. I would really like to see out of this a Netflix series where Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg play like some heavy heavy games. Um, Hasbro doesn't have any heavy heavy games, so that's not going to happen. But anyway, whatever. I don't know, dude. Them playing shoots and ladders and sorry would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Down the slide he goes. I don't know. <laughs> Something. <laughs> so gaming was a little slow for me this last week, but I managed to get in a couple games that I've played before, but I don't haven't talked about them a ton on here, so here we go. So the first game I played is Croftwagen. Mm. And this is um, a game about you're building cars and then you're somehow while you're building cars, you're also racing a Grand Prix car around the track completely separate of each other. But basically what it is, it's an action selection game. You're moving this little guy around a rondelle. You're collecting either additional workers. You're collecting um, research cards to help you be better at certain things or maybe give you some engineers that give you these super crazy strong powers. And you're trying to use all these stuff that you're gathering to get these body parts, engines on the market so you can sell them to certain buyers that are wanting different kinds of things. So one buyer wants engines, one buyer wants um, cheap cars, one buyer wants cars that have the most workers on top, and one of them wants the best uh, body. So depending on what kind of buyer is out there, you're trying to get your car and your body and your engine out on this market block so they will buy your engine or your car. But the interesting thing is when you put your car on the market, you can assign a value to it. So if you're trying to go for that really low, cheap car, you could take the lowest car or the lowest value um, points, and then no one can undercut you. But while you're doing that, you're not going to get a big payout. So this goes on for three rounds. You're going to get points for doing laps around the Grand Prix, whoever's in first, and just whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner and that's craft fucking. So I like it. I don't know if I won. I can't remember my buddy Brandon liked it. So that's always good. So that means I got another game I can play with him. Yeah, it's a good game. Uh, it was a really good bargain for a while. Uh, a lot of different places. So I don't know if it still is or not, but this is one that you could find on miniature market in clearance like sections for like 13 bucks. And it's definitely worth that. Um, the thing I like about it and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the right game is that it has that like, I guess you kind of called it a rondelle, but it's like a centipede. So yeah. like the like yeah. tailing piece comes to the front again. And so it's kind of cool how you can manipulate that a little bit. If you're like the trailing player, like taking your sweet time, like you can like kind of squat on some stuff so that the good action spaces that the guys in the front need won't pop up to them for quite a while, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of cool, I think. Um, and it's just, yeah, the theme is cool. It works fine. Um, but it does kind of have that weird thing of, 
Yeah. Also, this is happening. We're driving a Grand Prix car <laughs> over on this side of the board too. But yeah. here's the showroom, cheap cars, <laughs> also Grand Prix car. Like balance these two. And I mean, yeah. like I I guess racing was a huge part of car production back in that era too. But I mean, I, I don't know. Matthias Kramer, good game. Yeah, but like everything you're doing in the game has to do with building the cars and selling them. And then there's right. just the one part about the Grand Prix that just is there to score points. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but still right. fun. Yeah. It's like they like tacked on a little bit of Jamaica over there. It's yeah, a little weird. Yeah. Well, Jason, I played Kalimala. I'm so um, I'm so jealous. I want to play this. It's it's okay. Um it's it's okay. It's the good thing about it is you can play it with five players and you can play a Euro game with five players and it's better at five players, I think, than it is at three, which is almost never the case with the Euro game. So this is a great we have five people out here. We're going to all play this game because the more the better for how disc click out and just everything like that. And this game is kind of a set play time because it's the same number of actions that happen based on how they like balance your number of actions you get as a player. So if there's five players, you each get, you know, like eight actions throughout the course of the game versus if you're playing with three, you get like 12. So, um, it all kind of runs about the same time, about an hour and a half, maybe a little less if you got a group that knows what's going on. Basically, what's happening in this game, it's got kind of this cool mechanism where everything's randomized. That's kind of at the heart of the game. The designer wanted to make a game where you couldn't min-max it. It was random setup every time. So you had to kind of take what was given to you and figure out a new strategy every time. And I love that. But basically, there's a couple areas of the board. There's one area where it's like things are going to score, and they score in in order. And there's about 15 things that are going to score in this game. And you can see the sequence things are going to score, but they're going to score once a disc gets kicked out of the worker placement area and placed on it. And that's also going to help you because it's going to give you more influence over the council, so you win tiebreakers. So it's kind of cool to get your discs up there to trigger scoring. But then on the main part of the board, there's basically nine spots, and there's it's that thing in like Spirium and some other games do this, where if you place you place between the spots, like Scoville does this as well. You place between, and you get what's on both sides of you. So that's one kind of cool thing. But then the other cool thing is that people go on top of your of your disc, and then once the disc stack gets four high, that's when you kick it out to scoring. But if you place on top of someone else's disc, they get to do that action a second time. And so you also, the final thing that's kind of interesting and unique about this game is you have some neutral discs. And the neutral discs are like, they're like a pay me now thing. They get double the the goods produced or double the actions, but then they aren't ever going to trigger again. So like they br- you burn them up after one use, and and it actually can help someone else. Like if you, if someone else kicks your white disc out, which who knows if it was your white disc or not, who's going to remember that? They get to actually score another thing in their color. So um, or like put their disc in the council. So um, it's got just kind of that cool disc mechanism where you're stacking them up and you get to take the actions a few times, um, and then it's just basically area control, like super light, simple area control. So overall pretty simple game um but it just like in my youtube video that i put up this week i kind of make a little goof about this but it's genuinely an old-fashioned euro game it it feels like a euro game from when i first started playing these games 10 15 years ago um it's just it doesn't have any kind of weird gimmicky stuff in it it doesn't have any plastic in it the map looks like it was drawn by seriously christopher columbus or something um and it's it's just a good dry game yeah, that is cool. I, I, I want to try it, even though I know it's a little lighter. I still think it looks neat and seems like it would be fun to play. It, I think it would have a good spot in your collection, to be honest. I think because it's, it's going to be that like 
gateway to Euro gamers are going to enjoy it. And it plays a lot. So if you ever have a group of five, it's the go-to probably for that. Um, just cause it's not going to be super bogged down. I mean, most Euro games you play them at four even, and you're like, okay, well I'm going to have, I'm going to have to get, like take up crocheting because of the downtime between turns or whatever. So, um, none of that in this game. Nice. All right. So the next game I played could be down in the feature of games that only we seem to talk about. And that is a game from renegade called covert, uh, I don't know if anybody talks about this game. I don't really care. I have it, and I like playing it. And what this game is is you're placing dice out on this board, and you're moving around your little spies, and you're trying to get spies in certain locations and collect different types of gadgets like a shoe phone, um, lock picks, guns, to complete these missions. Like a mission could be you have to be in a, the green color section of the board, and you need a recording device and a shoe phone. If you have all that, you can place a die up in the complete mission area. And then when you pull your die off, you can show, turn in all those cards. You complete the mission and you get points. You're trying to be the first person to get to six completed missions. And then once that happens, whoever has most points is the winner. Um, along with the placing dice and moving your workers down, there's this little code cracking board on the side that everybody gets a shot at. And it's going to give you a, an opportunity to crack these codes and you flip these cards over and they'll be the gadgets that you can use to complete some of the missions. And if you don't use those cards, they're worth two points. So it's just another point scoring mechanism. Every player has their own individual player power and it's just a good time. So if you like worse dice placement games and uh, set collection, then I would definitely recommend checking out this one, and that is Covert. I've only played this one once, but it reminded me of like Stone Age and Black Orchestra had a baby. Like that's kind of how it felt like to me. I don't know, like put dice into Black Orchestra a little bit, like with that whole collecting like little chits different places, and then like trying to get like basically a kind of a set collection to get your missions to trigger. Um, I know it's way over simplification and not even remotely accurate, but that's how it is in my brain. Yeah, I mean. It's essentially like, I don't know. It's just like any other game where you would, well, I guess Stone Age is good. You'd roll some dice, get some resources resources, and use those resources to claim things. But you're doing it instead of rolling dice, you're placing the dice on the board and moving your little dudes around to try to manipulate where you are. So it's kind of the same, but it's a little deeper than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good lighter dice placement game. I mean, it'd be a good... First steps kind of dice placement game, I think. And oh. it's a different theme, which is cool. It is. And it looks really nice, too, I think. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. I, and I won the one time I played, so I, I love it. <laughs> that does help. <laughs> My last game I played was I played Sierra West. Um, I played Apple Hill, which there's basically four modules that come in the game. There's the same core idea behind the game, but then you have a couple little like sideboards or like different decks of cards you're going to use with all the different modules. But it's really interesting. It's got this totally new to me kind of idea that your your player board has these teeth on it. And then like you almost form a little pyramid with your cards and you make a green path and a like tan path. And then basically you're going to walk your two settlers down these paths. And it's like basically actions you get to take based on it's almost like a, a, like interesting it's not a card crafting, but it's like player board crafting. And you're putting these cards in there, trying to figure out, and every card has green and, and tan abilities on it, but you're going to have to cover some of those up because the teeth cover up certain things or the cards themselves cover each other up. So you have to figure out, okay, these three cards I just drew, how do I get the things that I need the most to get points? And then um, there's like, that's like your main, main player board. Then you use those actions basically to uh, like move up these different tracks, these different player tracks. 
Uh, you use uh, them as well, as well to get movement, to move these wagons down the, the old wagon trail and to scout up this mountain and try and get more cards for a deck building element in the game. Um, it's pretty different, really. Um, and I don't know how much I like it yet because it's just so different. I, I don't know how much I like it. But at the same time, I'm obsessed with it and just want to play it again. So I think I really like it. Um, it's just very different. And it just, I, it's the most unique board game I played this year, probably. Yeah, that's cool. The player board thing reminded me of Lagranha a little bit because you take cards in Lagranha and tuck them under your board. And based on where you tuck it is how it functions. Is that kind mm-hmm. of what that game does? Yeah, it, it is kind of that idea. Um, it's just, have you seen have you seen the player boards in Sierra West? They have like teeth on them. Yeah, and, like and, slots. It, and it makes a triangle. That's all I know about it, really. Yeah, and it covers certain things up. So like, I don't know, and there's just a bunch of symbols on them. And then you've got these little animals you can trap as well on another player's turn, which kind of feels like maybe a tacked on thing to try and keep people engaged when it's not their turn. But, I mean, it works, and then you get these really awesome rewards by trapping animals, too. So uh, there's some like, richness to it. I played the most simple introductory mode, and it was enough to keep me involved and keep me engaged in the game. And so the heavier modes, I'm curious just how heavy they get. It's not as heavy as I thought it might be. Um, boards and dice kind of make some heavy games sometimes, but I would say this is like a medium game. Um, heavy family, medium kind of game. Um, but pretty pretty cool overall. Uh, I'll get a review up of this one probably in the next couple of weeks. So look for that on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I like it, I think. I just don't know how much. Yeah, this is one I want to play. I, I watched a little bit of Rado, but his run-through wasn't really doing it for me, so I shut it off. But the mechanism seemed kind of neat, and I'd like to give it a go. Yeah, real different. Well, cool. All right, Jason, there are games that you and I really enjoy. They're games that sometimes we find on bargain shelves. They're games that were sent to us by by basically uh, design companies um, or games that we've heard about and then picked them up and then no one else talked about them. Um, but my first game, Jason, I'm going to pick that's in the category of games that we are champion, but only us, uh, is... Brewcrafters slash homebrewers slash microbrewers. I'm going to call it that, like, Brewers Trilogy by, uh, I think his name is Ben Rossett. Um, if I got your name wrong, yeah, Ben Rossett. Uh, if I got his name wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty positive it's Ben Rossett. Um, he, he made Brewcrafters, which is like Agricola-ish, and then Homebrewers is a totally different kind of game. Like, it's pretty light, but pretty good. And then Microbrewers is one that I think people have really enjoyed, too. Um but we seem to be the ones that champion it the most. Um, I just, I don't know. I think these games are both really good. Um, I guess it's weird that I put it in the We Are Champion because I don't think you've played Brewcrafters yet, but I would love for you to play it. I think you'd like it a lot. I think after you play it, you go, that's okay. That's like a Agricola good. I like it. Yeah, I haven't played any of these, but I'm interested. Like, I think Homebrewers look really cool. I want to play that one a lot. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty light, but we'll we'll get it played here pretty soon. All right, so the first one I want to talk about, I think it's only me and Z Garcia that like this game, and that game is Caper from Keymaster. I've talked yeah. about this game a lot, I made a video. It's a two-player drafting game. You're playing thieves, you're playing um, gadgets and gear to the thieves. You're trying to outsteal your opponent at certain locations. Whoever has the most points is the winner. It takes about 30 minutes. It's super fun. It has great artwork. Keymaster's just banging it out of the park, too, with everything they do now. So this kind of started their wheels rolling. 
So my number three game is Caper. Awesome looking game, like all Keymaster games. And I don't know if all Keymaster games are this way, but like the fit and finish on those games is so good that like on uh, Campy Creatures, when I tucked the lid on the, in the, like turn it inside out. So like the lid setting inside the game setting inside the lid, it's hard for me to pull them apart because it's like such a nice airtight seal <laughs> and like the quality they use of like the paper and everything is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Parks is like that too. Yeah. It's just over the top. Great quality. <laughs> yeah. They're super good games, but yeah, Caper started off their company, set them, set the wheels in motion, and I enjoy it a lot. So, my first game is Brewcrafters, Homebrewers, and Microbrewers. I play this with people fairly often, and every time that I play it with someone, they go, yeah, that was good. And they just kind of walk away from it like, wow, I don't exactly know why I didn't know about those games, but they're great. And that's kind of the theme of all my games. Um, and Council of Four is my next one. And I actually learned about this one from you and your rage about not getting the one with miniatures in it <laughs> for a decent price and then finding an old copy. Um, the people I played with... Okay, so I actually played with a couple of people in the Riveted, and the one guy, like I won't mention him by name because I don't have permission, but but he uh, all all throughout the one guy was talking about how like superfluous the miniatures were and how like he would play it if it didn't have miniatures, and I was like, well, the, the other one doesn't have miniatures in it. That's and, awesome. And then and then the other guy kept going. Yeah, but how are you even going to play it without miniatures? <laughs> like he was like acting like he was totally serious about it. Like, like how would you know which one's which? Then, like, just really funny. Like the miniatures are totally not needed. No, they're but not. Cool, cool. Many put a version of this out. It's basically like route building, kind of ticket to ride ish almost. But instead of the routes being set in stone in between the two like points that you're trying to build a route with. Um, it's basically you just have to influence a council, one of these four councils, and then. And then that's through set collection of cards, just like Ticket to Ride. But then the other thing is that you don't have to build a network that's connected. Um, I guess you don't have to do that in Ticket to Ride either. But like you could build on two sides of the board and it wouldn't matter. Like you could do it. The only thing is you're really encouraged to build a network because you get so many rewards that chain. And so I don't know. The game The game this last time I played it, like I, I did really well because I saw where there was like a get a guy, get three victory points kind of spot connected to a get a guy and get a card kind of spot. So like I established myself in both those places and then just built off of that. So every time I established a city, like I got just tons of junk and other people weren't kind of not quite figuring that out real early, but um, it's just a cool game. You just feel like you're doing something really fun. It's not heavy. It's pretty light. It's, I mean, like if Ticket to Ride is a six, this game's a seven, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, it's as light uh, a game as you're going to get from that Italian studio with Simone Lucci and I don't know their names, Daniela. Tashini. Tashini. Yeah. I mean, like it's as light a game as they're going to ever put out. So um, it's it's just a cool little game. And I think you turned me on to this originally. A little surprised it didn't make your list, to be honest. It was going to, like I had it down and then I thought some of these other ones – like the next one I'm going to talk about, I wanted to put in there more because nobody talks about that. But going back to Council of the Four, the version I have that that person you play with would really like, it's so fulfilling pushing those stupid little wooden meeples off the balcony. Oh, it's yeah. so good. That's that's what I told him too. I said, there's like a raised platform that you knock these guys off of, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good pick. I totally agree with this one for sure. All right. So my number two is a game from Japanime. And again, me and Garcia, me and Z Garcia are the only ones who are talking about this game, and that is Demon Worker. Um, it's a a little tiny worker placement game. It's essentially cards and discs, 
And what you're doing is you have some demons in hell, and you're sending the demons out to the world to take over people's souls and bring them back down to be in your army. And you're going to try to get souls. You're trying to score some gems. I don't know what the gems have to do with anything. And you're trying to get weapons to complete these in-game goal cards that are like some diabolical plot that the Underlord has given you to fulfill. So you're just trying to get tokens to collect sets to fulfill contracts to score like 20 points. It's a fun game. It plays over like five rounds and it plays, I think, four people and a full game of a four player game can go in like 25 minutes. It's super fast, but it's super fun and no one talks about it and I love it. And the theme is weird. You can take it or leave it. It's essentially just, it's not a theme. It's just weird drawings but if it turns you off then it's probably not the game for you but i like it my number two demon worker um no it's it's the way you describe it is like oh sounds like uh like uh a goat with like red eyes is eating a ouija board and and pooping out pentagram shaped turds or something (laughs) like just that it's like they're going to take over people's souls and their demons in hell blah 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 then you actually see the game and it's like these cute little chibi (laughs) yokai demons from japan like (laughs) pretty weird yeah i actually described it with more theme than the game actually has like i gave the game theme really when i was explaining it well, this game, I think, is the one, too, where, like, you don't improve your standing in the game. You improve your workers. So, like, series of workers come out, right? And later in the game, better workers come out. So, you're using your workers to acquire better workers, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, kind of. You you draft. You're supposed to draft your workers at the beginning. So, you'll have seven cards. Those are the only workers available throughout the whole entire game. So, if you did a bad job drafting, you're going to have workers that don't mesh with the other workers that you have. So you're trying to make sure that, you know, if you have a worker that is good at eating, you know, good at producing gems, you maybe want to have another worker that can use those gems to do some things. So that's kind of interesting that you're restricted on what workers you can even have. And everybody's going to have seven different workers, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I I haven't played this one, but I mean, like I play it, I think once. Um, at least, and then probably be really sad that I like it as much as I do. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd like it. It's super light, but I don't know. There's just something about it that I really like. Yeah. Well, Jason, my number one game on this list is one that at one point you really dug this game and I still like it because it's just ridiculous at times. Um, and that game is Dogs of War. This game is the most absurd negotiation game you'll ever play. Because literally one sentence, you can be negotiating with someone who's negotiating against somebody else. And then that next sentence, you're talking to the person they're negotiating against. And then you're negotiating against a third person against both those people. And then, I mean, like any weird combination of things. Because you're basically in these three battles all at once. And who knows who's on what side of the battles. So it's like the battles happen so fast, too, that it's just this crazy tug of war back and forth thing that... It just is super fast negotiation, super fast. Like, okay, I'm going to go into this battle, but if you go into this battle, then you can't go into this one. Deal? Deal. And then whether people keep their word or not, who knows? But like, it's just, it's super fast, just negotiating diplomacy kind of stuff. And then it has like very minor, minor, uh, like worker placement kind of things in it too. Um, but it's mostly just like trying to figure out who's going to go where and how do you win these battles and how do you really just screw people over? And like, 
it's so fun because you screw people over, but then like you, they can't stay mad at you because they're going to rely on you in the next round to be like, you got to help me on this one. And so you like, you make up real quick and become friends again. So, um, just super mean, super cutthroat, super combative, but then like you become best friends again, like immediately. So it's like just that whole, like fight, make up, fight, make up with that little bit of worker placement in there and just crazy, bizarre negotiations that happen sometimes. Then, then you throw those cards on there too, where you can become like a betrayer and like switch which side of the warrior on in the middle of a round sometimes like just, just crazy stuff. Uh, really fun dogs of war. Oh yeah. I still like this game. I played it four times in the last year. I yeah. I enjoy it a ton. I've taken it to church camp. <laughs> I've played it with everybody. It's super fun. I like it. Yeah, and it's just it plays so differently with different groups of people too. Like sometimes the groups will be like super into it and just having a loud time. And other times people are really concentrating on the board and trying to like be real like picky and like choosy with their negotiations. Whereas other people are like, Yeah, sure, I'll do that. I don't care. Like it's just I don't know. Like when you play with a loose group, it's actually a lot of fun, I think. So uh yeah, Dogs of War. Yeah, I didn't put that on my list because I figured you'd put it on yours, so I left that one for you. But my number one is also a CMON game, and it's one that I've played more, almost more than all other games. It's my ninth most played game since I've been logging games, <laughs> and it is uh, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. It's sitting on my shelf, and I got to play it because oh, you just love it so much. I love it. It's just a worker placement game. It's just a mean worker placement game, but I love it. I, I don't know what it is. It's just so fulfilling to get that that car bomb and just go into a town and just blow the crap out of everybody else that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so we've t- I've talked about this one at length. Worker placement game. You're going to spots to try to collect booze, drugs, guns. And maybe an alcohol to fulfill these jobs that the Don is trying to get you to fulfill. And you're going to try and doing that. You're trying to get money in your briefcase because only the points that you score is money in your briefcase. But while you're trying to do your thing, people are stealing money from you, blowing you up, killing you, throwing you in the Hudson River. So it's a mean worker placement game, but it matches the theme. So I don't mind it as much. And it's easy to teach and it's easy to play with non-gamers, which I kind of enjoy. So my number one, Godfather Corleone's Empire. It plays five people too, I think, yep. which is like That's awesome. True. It does. So it's a lighter game that you can put five people around a table and go play it. So kind of cool. Yeah, I don't actually mind it at five either because there's enough going on on people's turns that it kind of keeps you engaged because you're seeing who they're going to kill and trying to persuade them to kill other people. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, you actually taught this one at one of our BGM meetups. And two of the people that you played with have both told me they really enjoy that game, like outside of being around you. So, um, yeah. And then another note about that later off the air, but I'll tell you, yeah, another little funny thing. Anyway, uh, yeah. So very cool. Uh, so this could have almost been the games that Cool Mini makes that no one knows about. It's like what we could have <laughs> called this. That's true. For some reason, everybody hated The Godfather, and I don't really know why. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't either. I, well, I've heard really good things about it. And I think, I don't know, people got mad because they paid 50 bucks for it. And then it was at TJ Maxx for $11 two weeks later. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens with Cool Mini. Like, I've noticed they are kind of pumping the brakes this year a little bit. Um, so, I don't I don't know. It'll be kind of interesting to see what they put out this year. So, But the, uh, the, then they just put out that Foodies game, which is like Machi Koro. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand what they're doing right now, really. 
but like compare that to like every year before this where they put out like $300 boxes of hate and right. like, so, I mean, I think, and like rising sun and all this stuff. So I don't know, pretty, pretty wild. I don't, I just curious where it's where they're going to go with this. I hope they just decide they're going to make Euro games. Cause the, when they bring the cranio stuff into the States, it's all really good. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm on board with that all day. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, I guess this is about it, Jason. I mean, these are games that I think that people probably don't know that much, but we love them, and I think they're great. And I will tell you right now, on the games that I have mentioned, I kind of cheated and put five games on mine, but I will say that four of the five will probably make my top 100 games, to be honest, and they're games that just people don't play. Yeah, Demon Worker, I'm I'm assuming it'll be in my top 100, but maybe not. But the other two probably will for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of our top 100, we're at what episode 85. So give us five weeks, guys, and we're going to start doing the top 100. And then we may have to do our top 10 of 2019 after that based on timing. Um, but we'll see how that comes together. I think we're kind of doing some a little bit of some thinking about that behind the scenes. But that's coming up here pretty soon. We want to finish with our top 10 at episode 100, I think. So five weeks and we're going to start on our top 100, which means Jason and I have got to start scrambling to figure out and finalize those things. Yep. Um, we would love it if you guys would share your top 100s. I think everybody likes seeing a top 100. So if you go to PubMeeple, that's kind of a cool way to do it. Uh, go to PubMeeple, or even if you just got on BoardGameGeek and look at your ratings and just kind of figured it out, um, however you want to do it, just post them somehow to us um, or email them to us. There's a contact form on our on our, uh, on our our website. I'm not going to say we're going to do anything cool where we do like a people's choice thing, but it would be just kind of interesting to see what games we're ignoring that show up on people's lists. So um, the chance for you to interact with us a little bit, I uh, really enjoy that quite a bit. Um, so anyway, I, I really am out of things to say. Yeah, I got nothing. Well, I guess I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And I'm going to tell you to keep gaming. <laughs> and keep gaming. <laughs>